Hi, I'm Ryan. And this is Justin. And you're listening to Histories to Toiletries, now in HD. So, Justin, today we're talking about Peru. Yeah, Peru. So, um, I guess what what brought Peru to my mind actually is because in a couple of weeks I'm going to be getting married, and my fiance and I actually took a trip to Peru back in 2014. So, I guess four five years ago now. Well, Justin, before we talk about your trip, I think I've got some history for us to discuss. Go for it. All right, so Justin, I've got a question for you. When you think of ancient Peru, what civilization do you think of? The Incas. Right? What if I was to tell you that there were about seven civilizations before the Incas? I would be intrigued. You would be intrigued, and you'd also be wrong, because there were actually eight civilizations. <laughs> oh, okay. Before. And how many continents? Uh, one continent, seven civilizations. Okay. So, Peru is really exciting, because we go all the way back to prehistory. And uh, specifically around 9000 B.C., it is also one of the five cradles of civilization, which include uh, the Indus River Valley in India, the Nile River Valley in Egypt, the Yellow and Huanghe River Valley in China, and then the Tigris and Euphrates River Valley in Mesopotamia, which is now Iran. Um, so all of these places kind of sprung up civilizations uh, around the same time, which is really cool and um, weird that all these places so far from each other, including across a couple massive oceans, were able to independently you know, come up with technology. One of the reasons that the Peruvian territory... Uh, was so important to civilization was that they came up with a couple key factors to be successful. Um, they developed irrigation, which in the Andes is really hard to do because they're very high up in the air in a very arid climate. Um, they also introduced terrace farming, which makes it possible to farm just on a mountain. Um, by flattening areas of the mountain to create what look like giant steps, you can uh, just make those flat areas then, like gardens and pastures and things like that. They also uh, domesticated the camelids of the area, which include alpacas and llamas, uh, mostly alpacas for Peru, um, and then they fished. Uh, but those different things um, were how they became so successful. They were organized in kind of a barter system, which included like ideas of redistribution because they never had any any kind of notion of like money. Um, they they just never had money, but were super successful. Nice. The oldest known complex society was the Norte Chico civilization, uh, which was kind of on the coast between 3000 and 1800 BC. So about 1500 years it was successful. Um, and then other cultures uh, sprouted up around the Andes uh, in Peru, uh, including the Cupisnique culture. Uh, which was also on the Pacific coast. Um, the Chavan culture was uh, like a religious, I don't want to say cult, but <laughs> um, like a religious culture, uh, which was, you know, not really a, a political entity like these other civilizations were. Um, when they declined around the first century uh, AD, um, a lot of different cultures 
then sprouted up, uh, including the Paracas, the Nazca, and the Wari. Um, the Nazca are famous for those like massive hieroglyphs you see from the sky. And then the Chimu and Mochica civilizations also were kind of the bigger, more impressive cultures of the time. I'm so glad that we got these microphones, these nice new microphones, because your pronunciation is just, wow, amazing. These are really hard words. (laughs) (laughs) Nordichico, Kupisnike, Chavin, Paracas, Nazca, Wari, Chimu, Mochica. They all sound like drinks at Starbucks. (laughs) Have a grande Nordichico. With a shot of Mochica. Put some of those fancy Nazca lines at the top. (laughs) So those were just these super big, uh, complex civilizations that all sprouted in this one area over the course of about 4,000 years. Um, There's also the... Hold on. Give me a second on this one. The Tiahuanaco culture. Um, Not bad, not bad which was around uh, northern Peru and Bolivia. Um, So that was all between 3000 BC and around the 15th century uh, was where those cultures all sprouted, and they all brought something different to the area. They were all, some of them were very good at building cities, and some of them were really good at pottery, and some of them were very good at metalwork. And so they all kind of brought something to the area. Uh, But then in the 15th century, we get the big boys, the Incas. They form the largest empire in pre-Columbian America. So before the Spaniards showed up, they were the biggest. Mm -hmm. Including like North America too, like in all of the Americas? Yeah, for sure. And it's because they kind of united... uh, a bunch of like different almost different cultures but a lot of different like ethnic groups and were able to uh, unify them the Inca referred to their empire as Tawantinsiu which translates to the four regions or the four united provinces and so from 1438 and 1533, they use some conquest and some even peaceful assimilation to incorporate most of Western South America from the Andean mountain range on the west side to southern Colombia, from southern Colombia to northern Chile, and then between the Pacific Ocean and the Amazon rainforest. Hmm. So... Um, they had all these this just massive group of different people who uh, even worship different religions, but they did uh, encourage everyone to worship uh, Inti, the sun god, because that was, you know, the original culture, what they believed. Uh, and then they called their king Sapa Inca, which means child of the sun. Um, so they were super into the sun. Um. So they just flourished for a a long time. Cusco was their capital. And then around 1532, after some time of like uh, scouting and uh, meeting them, a party of conquistadors led by Francisco Pizarro defeated and captured the Inca emperor. Um, So uh, the Spanish conquest began and was incredibly prolific. The the population collapsed um, because of the Spaniards essentially ruining the economy and exploiting the workers and introducing diseases. They The Spaniards found gold and silver mining, and so they just absolutely went crazy uh, and using and uh, taking all these mines. They even... Uh, imported African slaves because there was just not enough locals around because they were killing them all with their diseases. It was super terrible and rough. That lasted for a couple hundred years. And then in the 
early 19th century when everyone else was fighting for their independence all over South America from Spain. Peru was kind of like a royalist stronghold. So they were a Spanish stronghold in the area. Um, and it took um, one of the most prolific military campaigns um, in history where uh, Jose San Martin uh, and his armies crossed the Andes in 21 days to join the Chilean army and liberate their country. Um, so that is how they won independence and became Peru. Yeah, that's a lot of history. Peru is definitely, it has a lot, <clears throat> a lot of history and some good, some bad, but yeah. For sure. I think it's just with so many different cultures all coming up at different times and then the Incans being so powerful and uniting everyone, eventually they were going to take take back the area from the Spaniards and it just took so much time. Now, I think, especially with current state of affairs, and obviously you can talk about this more because you've been there, but the Incas definitely left such a mark on the country that there's still even their legacy today, more so than a Spanish influence that was only around for... 300 years i wonder how like compared to other uh you know native civilizations in the americas how they held on to their to their homeland against european um, colonization like if they were just stronger and were able to like hold out a little bit longer and keep their influence more than some other cultures i don't know yeah, for sure. Um, there were definitely a lot of um, like rebellions through the time of Spanish occupation. Uh, in the 1700s, uh, a couple different indigenous rebellions were some of the leaders were Juan Santos and Atahualpa and also Tupac Amaru II. Oh. So... Um, and that is who Tupac Shakur is named after, in fact. Really? Yeah. Cool. Um, so that was kind of the ancient to almost modern history. Um, once we get into the 1800s, uh, Peru was kind of established. Um, it, you know, had a president and was pretty stable. Um, their state revenues and economy was supported by guano exports so you know their trade was pretty crappy um, <laughs> however uh once those resources had been depleted uh their country i mean their economy collapsed so they also then they entered a series of wars with chile and uh had an alliance with bolivia but those never really came into too much you know, tragedy. There was, I mean, there were wars, but, uh, you know, there is still Bolivia and Peru and Chile. So they weren't detrimental to either country. And then we just kind of get into modern politics, uh, in the 20th century, um, where they just fight some more border wars with the people around them and, uh, you know, just continue to today. They did, uh, have a couple leaders with some, pretty rough you know human rights abuses but overall i mean they seem to you know have been pretty prolific and established the 40th highest gdp in the world so they're doing something yeah it's a nice little country i like it so justin tell me about this trip you took uh yeah sure um Let's see, we flew down there and flew into Lima. Lima is the only international airport in Peru, at least that you can enter through the United States or you fly into from the United States. Uh, so we flew into Lima, which is the biggest city, like seven and a half million people. Um, so just, you know, a big capital city of Peru. Um, lots of cool stuff going there. It's right on the coast, so it has some beautiful coastline. We stayed in a little 
neighborhood called Miraflores, uh, where they have just big cliffs right on the coast. And like, you can see people just, uh, like doing some parasailing and, uh, or not parasailing. What, what is the one where the, maybe it is parasailing where they like run and like jump off the cliff and they have wings and they're paragliding. Paragliding. Yeah. So paragliding. I think that was parasailing too. That's just where you're towed behind a boat, right? Yep. So all that stuff was going on. All good. Um, we were there in August, which is, I guess, the the middle of their winter, but it's so close to the equator that it's pretty much pretty constant all year round. It really depends much more on where you are physically located than like what time of year it is because there's such drastic change between the west side of the Andes and the east side of the Andes, or if you're right on top of the Andes, you know, so geography plays a big part there. Um, but yeah, it was beautiful. We stayed there a few days, ate a lot of delicious food, walked around the town, saw some cool museums. Like you were talking about, there's so much history. Uh, so we saw lots of cool, uh, old pottery and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, good food. And then, then we took a flight from Lima to Cusco. Um, and then you can tell immediately upon landing, the, the doors opened and all of a sudden you're like, I am definitely at altitude. Like you, <laughs> Cusco itself is at 9,000 feet and you're flying from, uh, sea level right at Lima. And so like the doors open and when you start walking off, you're like, Oh, Whoa, where'd all the, where'd all the oxygen go? So it, it, it definitely, um, you know, it takes a, takes, takes a little bit of time to kind of acclimatize and get ready, um, or to get used to the altitude there. Uh, but Cusco is a much smaller little town. It's a mountain town, uh, you know, right in the middle of the Andes. That's going to be the jumping off point for your ma- major excursions to Machu Picchu, Inca Trail, things like that. Uh, Peru is a big country. So, you know, I'm talking about Lima and then the Cusco region, which has uh, Machu Picchu. But there's just there's a lot more to it all northern peru is super mountainous and then if you get way down to the south uh at the border with bolivia there's uh, lake titicaca one of the biggest lakes in the world um so there's lots of lots of other parts but i really only experienced lima and then the cusco region cusco was great i love the town you said it was the capital for the uh the incas um, and you can definitely still see and feel that in Cusco for sure, much more than Lima. Lima's much more modern now, but Cusco still feels like a little cultural haven um of South America. And it was great. Um, you know, a nice little town square, um smaller town you can kind of walk around, really colorful. Uh, there was a there was an election going on at the time when we were there, so there was like parades in the streets and I feel like their elections are so much more fun than our elections. Like everybody was like celebrating and, and there was parades. Maybe only that was <laughs> half of the people. Maybe the other half of the people were, were not celebrating and having parades. I don't know. But it seemed like a fun time. There's a really fine line between a parade and a protest. <laughs> so I guess that's true. It really just depends on whether you're walking or not. <laughs> uh, or marching. Yeah, you're either walking or marching. Yeah, so... Anyway, that was that it was fun. I really liked the town itself. We were there for maybe just a day, maybe two days before heading, you know, jumping into a, a van and getting driven up the up to the mountain to the start of our trail where we did a three day hike, I think. I think it was three nights, four days maybe. Yeah. Um of a trek um to eventually end at Machu Picchu. Um we did the yeah, go ahead. Did you do like this like with a company, like a trekking company? Yeah, we did. Um so like they used to be pretty much the Inca Trail was the trail that would kind of lead through the mountains and head to Machu Picchu. Just became more and more popular. Um, so they started putting more restrictions on it and only allowing a certain amount of people to go, uh, you know, each day or each season. 
So then they started opening up some new trails. They're, the one that we did was the Salcante Trek, which was is a little bit more of like a mountain mountaineering kind of trek, uh, whereas the Inca Trail hits a lot more of the ruins and like uh, more history and culture aspect of it. It's still very mountainous because you're just in the middle of the Andes and the mountain the the Andes are awesome mountains. They're very uh, very young mountains, so very steep. I always, uh, it kind of reminds me of like if you tell a second grader to draw mountains and they're just like, you know, up and down pointy mountains everywhere. Like that's exactly what the Andes look like. Um, so very, really beautiful and difficult trekking for sure. Um, so I did the Salcon Trail. There's also like a Flores Valley trail so there's lots of different trails you can take but i'm pretty sure all of them kind of require some sort of guide or group Um, i didn't do a whole lot of investigation to see what you can do independently but um you know it, it was i had a good time going with the group and it definitely um was nice having like dinners and camp set up for you um and all that so and our group was really great. I went, it was me and Julie, and then um, there was two Australian guys, uh, Kurt and Fletcher, uh, who were hilarious, as most Australians are. And uh, one Canadian, uh, Jared, who, yeah, he was, he was good. He was all right. He wasn't <laughs> he was my favorite. Canadian? <laughs> he wasn't my favorite Canadian, though. Like, he was like the least Canadian Canadian that I've ever met, which is still, Whoa. he was still nice, friendly guy. Uh, but maybe it was because I was comparing him against the the two hilarious Australians. But anyway, it was a good group. It was fun. You know, we all spoke English, which was nice, but all different, you know, types of English. Um, so it made it kind of interesting. Um, so it was a small group, which was good too. Basically, we would have lunches and dinners together, um, and kind of kind of stay together during our hike. But you can kind of spread out too. You know, we're just we're not necessarily hiking. Uh, one behind the other the whole time, but uh, it was fun. And then our uh, guide, his name was Americo, and he was great. Uh, spoke English pretty well, um, but I also spoke some Spanish with him too. And and any you know anytime he had like something to say, he'd always be like, "Okay, chicos, chicos, come around, chicos." He <laughs> called everybody chicos. <laughs> so that's all I always remember Americo. Always saying, chicos, chicos, come here, come here. So um, we did the trek, and and that was super awesome. Great hiking. Um, Got up to the highest elevation that I've ever been at, uh, just over 15,000 feet uh, at the, you know, at the pass of Salcante, which is like a big glacier-capped mountain. Uh, It was amazing. We saw an, uh, an avalanche go down the mountain. Um, while we were up there, you know, far away, we weren't in any danger or anything, but it was cool to see giant condors flying above us, like huge birds. Um, that was cool. The, there were, um, I guess mules that would carry, you know, all of our stuff, uh, like camp from one camp to the next camp every night. Um, which I thought was amazing because they actually didn't have a guide. They were just these mules that were just like on the trail and just going and like they were if they were coming like towards you, you had to get out of the way and watch all the mules go by that were like fully loaded <laughs> down and then they'd go by. And then I was just like, who's wait, where, who's leading these guys? Like, where are they going? And I guess they just do the same thing every day. So like they don't actually need anybody to tell them where to go. They just go. But because That's of so that, cool. like you have to get out of their way because they're not, you know, they're not going to move for you. You have to move for them. There were wild, wild horses, wild cattle, amazing mountain lakes, uh, beautiful, beautiful hike for sure. I loved it. That was, that was my favorite part for sure. Did you see any wild alpacas? Yes, lots of wild alpacas. Although most of them were actually at uh, Machu Picchu once you got there, because, like you said, there is all this terrace farming, and there's just a lot more grass, so they can just like chill there and eat grass all day. Um, and it's obviously like a protected area, so it's not like anybody's 
hunting them or anything like that or or even like farming them for their um wool or anything i don't think maybe there is but they seem pretty wild to me i was recently in like last saturday i guess two days ago as we're recording this at an alpaca farm in north georgia and they're telling us that like peruvian alpacas have so much more uh like fur they call it fleece but that they just grow twice as much as american alpacas and so like people farm them like crazy because they have really nice fur yeah i mean i got i i bought a a sweater and a hat while i was walking around peru um and i still have it and i still love it it's nice nice i think you brought me back and a hat also yeah i think so very comfortable reversible which is so cool Uh, but yeah and and you know once we got to machu picchu that is just an amazing site uh for sure it i mean it's it's pretty crowded there's going to be a lot of people there you know just because everybody wants to see it and you can you can take a bus like straight up there so you don't have to take like any kind of uh trek to get there or anything although it's way more rewarding if you do um but it's cool. It's kind of like a big maze and you can walk around and see all these various rooms. You can see like, you know, there's like little signs with some info and stuff. And they're like, oh, this used to be a toilet. You can, that's what this room was. And this was <laughs> something else. And like, yeah, it's just a big labyrinth of walkways and big open uh, terraces. And because terraces are pretty big, like you see them from far away in photos and stuff, and they, they, yeah, like they look like steps. But then when you're walking on, you're like, oh, this is like a big platform, like a big yard where you can just like, you like play football on this on this little terrace or something. But don't fall over the edge. But you could <laughs> play. Uh, and it was fun. And like I remember, we halfway through, you know, the day because we, you know, we had a day at uh, Machu Picchu. We get there super early in the morning. We left at like 4 a.m. Um, to get in line to take the bus up the mountain to the top of the mountain where Machu Picchu actually is. Um, you could hike it. I mean, you could. It's not hiking it. It'd be it's just walking it. You could walk up to the top, but I mean, I would say you have to start so early that you would have to start in the dark, and it's literally just straight up, and it's not like a super fantastic hike where you get views along the way or anything so you know it's probably better just to save your energy and walk around the site itself than to spend a couple of hours just walking straight uphill to get to it without any kind of rewarding views or anything along the way so i would just recommend taking the bus to the top um it's worth it um you have to stand in line to get to get on a bus but but get there as early as you can so that it is less crowded when you get there. But then you get the full day, and it's uh, it's a good time. You have no idea how bananas it is to listen to you recommend taking a bus because it's more practical. Yeah, I know. That kind of is against everything I believe in. But the re- the reason I say that is because once you get up to the top, there's a second mountain that you can climb. And so I would recommend climbing that one because that one's awesome and really steep and dangerous and scary and you get great views. Well, it's because it's like it's just you're on like a either a road with buses like flying around the corners or you're like taking the stairs. So it's not a hike. It's just a walk up to the top, which I don't know. It's not worth it, really. Totally. So what would you would how was Machu Picchu like? As far as like, was it crowded? Were you able to do all the things you wanted to do while you were there? I mean, it's definitely crowded. Uh, I mean, they do only let a certain amount of people in per day. So, but it is a lot of people, but it's a, it's a giant space. So you're still able to walk around and find some cool spots that, you know, maybe aren't super crowded because it's, it's a big, like, it's a big, like old little society there. Uh, a little, I don't know. I mean, p- people lived there, right? What was it? Was it? A temple. It was a temple, but like people lived there. It wasn't like solely just for 
Right. But like people would for worshiping. I guess you could call it, it was more like a monastery. Like people live there, but also people would just go there to yeah. worship. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it was a size you could go and to get to the sun god going mm-hmm. up was the best way to do that. Makes sense. Um and then there there is there is one little building at one peak of the of the site where there's like one window that faces faces like the whatever the equinox is the winter solstice or uh, one of the major events in the sun year um where it like faces perfectly and like casts the shadow and like there's this big condor rock behind it and it's i don't know a lot of, a lot of cool stuff for sure happening there and the 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 buildings itself being I mean, how old are they? If you said the Incas were like in the 13th century or so, so they're probably like at least 500, 600, 700 years old, these buildings. Yeah, for sure. It's just amazing like how well built they are. The like giant stones, which are obviously not from anywhere around there because you're at the top of this mountain, but like fitted perfectly. And and yeah, the whole site is just very well built and still standing really strong which is cool right and i bet that like being at eight thousand feet helps it be preserved and i mean it's just on an arid mountain so after uh machu picchu did you just head back down the mountain and mm-hmm. um yeah we headed back to cusco that night you know got in another van headed back to cusco and then stayed in cusco and then took a flight back to lima stayed in lima a couple days and then flew back so it was kind of a short trip uh overall probably like maybe seven to ten days i don't remember but it wasn't a super long time um so i'd like to go back at some point and visit some other parts of the of the country because it was cool i enjoyed myself for sure yeah, but it's definitely a big country. Um, I'm gonna take uh your place in this, Justin. Did you um look at its comparison to the United States? I did. So okay. sorry, you can't so play that I. game. Um, <laughs> I would have been way wrong though. Um, as usual. So I'm guessing that uh the people at home well. That was really presumptuous of me to say. I'm guessing that they would also be wrong because <laughs> if I can't get it, no one else can. <laughs> um, but uh, Justin, why don't you go ahead and hit us with those stats? So size-wise, uh, Peru kind of fits. If Peru was a state in the United States, it would be the second biggest state. So it would be smaller than Alaska, but bigger than Texas. So kind of right in the middle of those two. Uh, so pretty big. And then population wise, it's actually pretty close to the, like the population of California, which is also pretty big. A lot of people in California. So it's it's a big country for sure. Yeah. Uh, the 20th largest country in the world, which. After I think they're really big ones is still impressive. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess you still have a lot, a lot of it to see. Totally. And yeah, the Andes Mountains are are awesome. So I definitely want to explore more of the Andes. So, Justin, while you were there, what was uh, the food like? Ooh, the food honestly was one of my favorite parts of Peru. They have really good food. Um you know, starting in Lima, we were right there on the coast. And I mean, you're not going to get better ceviche pretty much anywhere in the world. It was amazing. Um, so fresh and so delicious. Um, so that was probably my favorite thing in Lima. Then once you got up into the mountains, um, I had a lot more like alpaca, um, which was pretty good. Uh, tastes kind of as you would expect it to taste. I had it like, you know, ground ground up alpaca in a uh empanada so you know it tasted pretty pretty good just kind of seasoned uh, uh meat 
after visiting this farm, it's bananas to me that anyone would ever eat an alpaca just because of how much you can sell their fleece for. Yeah, I guess It's got to be like an old, bald alpaca that you were eating. Old, bald alpaca? Yeah, (laughs) because otherwise it's worth way more alive. I guess so. I didn't didn't picture the alpaca as I was eating it, but it could have been old and bald, I guess. So after alpaca, was that the most uh, exotic thing you ate? Uh, probably not. Probably guinea pig, uh, which is a popular thing to eat in in the mountain regions of Peru because they're kind of all over the place. It's like like rabbits or something, you know, in North America, like a small little thing that you can hunt and eat, and it's pretty popular. Um, that was, I mean, that was pretty good. I I had a I order. It's called a cuy, c u y in um in Peru, and so I ordered it. And I was totally, and it was at a restaurant. And I was totally unsure of how it was going to, like, come out. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> um, so, so it came out, and it was like the full-on animal, like the whole thing. And it was just like fried, like lightly fried, but it was like face and all. Wow. Um, so anyway, I you know dug into that, and it tasted really good. It tasted like a dark turkey meat or dark chicken meat. It was pretty delicious. I liked it. You just had to like pick around all the bones because it was like the full on. And like when you say like face, like were there teeth? I don't remember. Was it? I I wonder if I'm going to try and find a photo of it. I had it at one point, but maybe I can still find it. Yeah, you put Uh, that on the Patreon. Yeah, that'll be the title title (laughs) picture. (laughs) But I feel like if there were teeth, you would remember Like everything I've ever eaten that still had its teeth attached. That is to say nothing. But I know that it was nothing because if it had teeth, I would know. I don't know because like it had, you know, the head and everything attached, but it wasn't like I was like really going into the head area. I was sticking around the <laughs> ribs and and thighs, you know, I wasn't like really examining the head. So unlike the alpaca, I could picture this guinea pig. So that's why I was <laughs> staying away from that. Um, Justin, I see here in our show notes, you have just potato bet. And like, did you bet someone how many potatoes you could eat? Quite the opposite, actually. Bet someone how many potatoes they could eat? <laughs> no, I guess that is the opposite. So it's not quite the opposite. So just due to some unfortunate timing, um, maybe a month, maybe a couple of weeks before I left for Peru, I just happened to make a bet with a couple of my friends that I could go a full year without eating potatoes. <laughs> Just kind of randomly <laughs> for no reason, really, and just decided to undergo this bet. Um, what I didn't really realize at the time was if you go to Peru, you're going to eat potatoes because it was like the, the where potatoes are originally from and like a main staple in <laughs> the diet of the Peruvian uh, people. So, yeah, that, so I lost that bet, unfortunately. Um but you made it all the way until August. Yeah, but I didn't. I mean, I started this bet like in maybe July, late July. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so who's to say how far you would have actually made it? You know, I blame Peru. I would have done it. I just blame Peru. Because like during our hikes and stuff, it's not like we had an option of what we were going to eat. Uh, because every every time we would make it to camp, there would dinner would be prepared for us. And I mean, there was like potato and everything there was soup there was food there was you know side dishes and main courses and empanadas and i wasn't not gonna eat it so not a lot of cliff bars on that trek no you know you can't you can't win every bet so that was just the one one of them that i i just i lost i still believe in you i'll also take that bet against you if you ever want to make it again (laughs) okay i'll keep that in mind we'll have to figure out the odds though yeah I can't afford those odds. So, yeah. What else was good? Oh, I also was going to talk about the coca tea because that was super delicious and refreshing. Um, and also one of the only places in the world where you're actually legally allowed to have coca tea because it's made from the same plant as you would get cocaine from. Yeah, I imagine that's pretty refreshing. Yeah. Um, it is native like to that area and people for you know people for 
ever for centuries have been using the plant to help with altitude sickness. Sure. Uh, I mean, that's what, and other things probably, but altitude sickness boredom, is the main, the main sleepiness. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it's just the leaves. It's not like it was like the actual, you know, processed substance that's going to, you know, have much more active effects. Um, but the leaves themselves, you can get them anywhere and, you can make tea out of them, and, and pretty much every morning they would wake us up with uh, a little pot of coca tea straight to our tent. So that yeah, that was good. Got us got us ready to go on the cold days, and and you know get us get our day started. Um, and oh, and you and the guides they all carried around just like bags of coca leaves that you could just chew on. <laughs> To help with uh, your altitude sickness, and so I mean, I definitely did that, and I never got, I never felt any altitude sickness, so I guess it works. I don't know. I have got uh, my favorite segment of bad Yelp reviews. All right, yeah, let's hear that. I've got one, um, and hopefully, you can tell me if this is actually a bad Yelp review. Um, this is from. Brandon from Perth. So it's just just another bogan. All right. But uh he says was a long walk getting there, and all it was is a bunch of rocks. I expected more from a five star trip advisor rating. We have been informed there was a cafe and bar at the top. We struggled to find it. Bad signage. Vandals may have removed the signs. Uh that was two stars. For so, what was he reviewing? Machu Picchu. Sorry. Okay. Could you not tell that from the long walk and bunch of rocks? Well, that's what I figured, but <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Also, I, I don't. There's definitely. I was not informed when I was there that there was any kind <laughs> of like cafe or bar at the top. That's what I was thinking. That maybe uh, Brandon got some bad information. <laughs> Because there being a bar at the top of Machu Picchu and also vandals removing the signs seems like a stretch. Yeah, what kind of vandals are just trying to <laughs> misinform all the tourists? I'll get them. I'll never know where they can get a beer. Um, but yeah, and then the rest, every single other bad Yelp review I saw. Actually, it was TripAdvisor. Sorry, TripAdvisor. But every other one was about how crowded it was. Which, like, seems ironic of a bunch of tourists arguing and being upset that there were so many tourists at the tourism place they went to. Yeah, exactly. It's your fault that it's so touristy. Right? Yeah, so just don't, you know, no one goes there anymore. It's too crowded. So um, that was my Yelp reviews. Um, Justin, how are you rating countries and places this season? Well... So are we still on the second season? We do this so infrequently. We need to we need to do this a little hey, more often. <laughs> Christmas was a big deal. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh so yeah, this season doing it uh rating countries as some sort of sport or game or challenge or something like that. Um it's pretty broad. So I mean you're I making the rules, so I'm making them pretty broad. Um, so this for Peru, I'm going to give it like a, uh, like running a 10 K like donut race where you have to stop and eat donuts every mile or something like that. Um, just because, especially if you're up in the mountains, you're like running, do you doing a lot of stuff? You're hiking. It's awesome. But then there's just so much good food to eat that you just have to stop and, and gorge every once in a while on your alpaca and guinea pig and ceviche and beer and coca tea and potato bets so a 10k but with with, with food. donuts exactly <laughs> try not to throw up well justin uh i think that's gonna do it for us uh unless you have something else uh, that's all i can think of I think we're we're good with Peru. Cool. Till next time. For sure. Um but before we say till next time, um uh first we want to thank uh 
our mom, and also William and Cecilia Riley for these fantastic microphones we're using. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, hopefully you uh, hear that we sound a lot better. Um, and if you want us to... Um, well, not if you want us to keep doing this, because we're going to keep doing this regardless. <laughs> but you can uh, contribute to our Patreon. Uh, even, I think, right now, the only tier you can contribute at is a dollar a month. Um, but a dollar a month helps. Um, that's definitely a percentage of our hosting costs. Um, and we would really appreciate it. Um, on our Patreon, you can find, well, our episodes, but also pictures from the trips. So Justin's guinea pig picture will hopefully make it on there. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe some other pictures from that trip. Um, and you can just find some some more content there. Um, Justin, where can people find you? So, yeah, you can find me at my uh, my blog, my website, can'tpaintaburninghouse.com. Um, that has all of my contact info there as well. So you can email me or just message me on there if you have any other questions. Um, or just look through some of my other blog posts about all different kinds of things. Um, yep. And you can find me on, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Ryan D. Willett. Okay. You can also join the Histories to Toiletries group on Facebook. Um, where we post episodes and have some extended conversations there and talk to your favorite podcasters um, unless those podcasters are people other than Justin and I Justin and me um, but Justin and I right no other than Justin and me okay <laughs> um, but anyway uh, thank you for listening I'm Ryan. And this is Justin. And you have been listening to Histories to Toiletries. See ya. Thanks. (laughs) Hi, I'm Ryan. Hello? Can you hear me? Well, yeah, it's just like you said, hi, I'm Ryan, and th- Ryan, and it was like this big, like, cut off all of a sudden, and it was just like, wait, are you still on here? Sorry. Uh, that I'm was just me up. not talking anymore. No, it was different. It wasn't <laughs> just that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's try this again. Okay. Hi, I'm Ryan. And this is Justin. And you're listening to Histories of Toiletries, a still podcast. Season two? Sure. Um, Justin, today we're talking about a country again. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite countries, I guess, on one of my favorite continents. I would I would say at least my top three favorite continents. Is that including Antarctica? It's including Antarctica. That's one of my bottom ones for sure. So like Antarctica. Look, can I guess in number five is Antarctica? I guess by this. How many continents there are? There's five. No, there's not. Name the continents. There, there's not five continents. The continents are North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, and and Antarctica. That's seven. Cool. Well. (laughs) Cool. Um, so Antarctica, I'm assuming, is your least favorite. And then, yes, uh, I guess, have you been to Africa? I have not. So th- those are both my two least favorite, but really only because I haven't been there. So I can't, you know, put them up in my favorites yet. All right. So now we break into the top five. Yes. Um, uh, I bet five is. North America? No. No, you live here. You gotta like it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, you like Asia, Europe, perhaps? As my fifth, number five? Yeah. N- n- no, it's not my number five. North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Australia, Antarctica. 
Asia. Is Asia your fifth one? No, Asia is up there. Okay, well, sure. this is a terrible game because I'm very <laughs> bad at it. So let's stop Slash doing this. Bad at knowing continents. <laughs> um. So what? This is one of your favorites. You said top three. What's your favorite continent? My favorite continent I would put as North America just because I live here. It's easy to explore. It's my home country. It's big. It has a big variety of stuff as far as geology and geography and culture goes. So, For sure. Um, and then number two? My second favorite is South America. Oh, oh no. well. No, no, no. All right. Sorry about that. Oh. Jumped the gun there. Way my to second go, favorite Steve is- Harvey. My my second favorite is Asia, for sure, because it is totally different, and it's inexpensive, and there's delicious food, and it's big, so that's my second favorite. My third favorite is South America, which is the continent we will be talking about today. Um, That's my third favorite because it's relatively nearby, easy to get to. Uh, mostly Spanish-speaking, but I can speak Spanish, so I can still kind of get around pretty well. Um, But it's different enough that, you know, it's still exciting. Um, So, yeah, that's my third. Fourth would probably be Europe. Fifth, Australia. Sixth and seventh would be Africa, Antarctica, tied for sixth and seventh, but also just TBD because I haven't been there yet. Um. Nice. Uh, right now, I'm just seeing how long we can go without actually saying what we're talking about today and just listing continents. Yeah, if we just keep going long enough, eventually we'll say the country we're talking about. Maybe we should now list the continents instead of your order of favorites just alphabetically. <laughs> well, this is getting very sad. <laughs>